afternoon and welcome to book talk here we are back again for another week so i'll turn it over to your host we'll take take it away nolan good afternoon everyone hope everyone's having a good day thank you for coming on two days before holiday have a good crowd and nolan yeah i finally got unmuted it was a good thing <laughs> yeah Probably the biggest accomplishment all day, but that's another matter. <laughs> yeah. So it's good to be here. Thank you for attending. Um, I will tell you in advance that I intend to bring one Christmas book to the attention of this group today, and I'll explain the reason. Those of you who are Thanksgiving purists and who say the music or the books about the holiday should not be discussed until after Thanksgiving, I apologize in advance. <laughs> it's not going to change my perspective, unfortunately. So only one, though. You got to give me a break. It's just one. So, glad to have all of you here. And we already have a hand, Nolan, whenever you want to go to that. Go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. Take that. Let's uh, then bring in Jane. I hey, Jane. am glad to be here. And Nolan, you sound like you're sick. Are you okay? No, I'm great. Oh, some reason I no. think we're sick. Better side anyway, of outstanding. I'm, I'm not um, quite... Uh, a Christmas and Thanksgiving purist. I have been duly chastised by a wonderful Venezuelan friend of ours who put her Christmas tree up at the end of September. Oh, there you go. I'm going, that's a little nuts. But then I thought, oh no, I need to be tolerant and accepting. And yeah, anyway, um, I won't sing you a Christmas song or a Thanksgiving song, but I love the fall of the year for all of these holidays. Everything from harvesting to Veterans Day to I skip Halloween, sort of. Um, if I had to pick one to leave out, I'd leave that one out. <laughs> anyway, I'm very glad for this program and for the books people recommend. So I'm eager to hear about your Christmas recommendation. And for me, this season is a season to go back to favorites. And so I would mention A Child's Christmas in Wales. I just the language was so energizing and beautiful to me when I first heard it. So anybody that wants to read it out loud to me again, I'd love it. So welcome. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say. Thanks. Dylan Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, well, I will get started. I've got, we're going to be taking all kinds of twists and turns with me here today. Uh, it's how it works. On Thanksgiving Day every year uh, for uh, pretty much as long as the book has been out, I reread Richard Paul Evans' The Christmas List. You've probably read it a thousand times yourself, or at least 500. I don't know, but here's the setup. James Keir is an all-business kind of guy. He left his wife, Sarah, despite the fact that she has terminal cancer, and is uh, getting his joys and jollies from a shallow thing named uh, Tracy who essentially is hanging out with him because of his money. Kier is a fictional developer in the non-fictional Salt Lake City. So he builds commercial buildings and those kinds of things. Um, he has moved out on, on Sarah, and his whole philosophy is, if you are going to make an omelet, you're going to have to break some eggs. He essentially is, it's a modern-day Scrooge retelling, guys, only it's somewhat different and better. Um Kier goes to a holiday or to a to a hotel in Park City, Utah. His shallow, trampy little girlfriend is supposed to meet him up there. 
later that evening. He awakens the next morning and uh, finds that the staff at the hotel are looking at him as though he's a ghost. He doesn't understand that, and one of them wordlessly hands him the newspaper. On the front page of the Salt Lake Tribune is an article about the death of real estate and uh, uh, real estate magnate and developer James Keir. His picture is there, and he reads the story about his his death. Well, he's very much not dead, um, and is fascinated by what could have happened or how how on earth it would have happened. Um, later on in the same obit area is the the story of another. James Keir, who died, but poor that poor guy only got a couple of lines, no picture, and and the immediately the developer wonders if maybe there's been some kind of a dreadful mix-up. He returns to his hotel. Uh, the little trampy girl never showed up after all. Packs his things and gets on the laptop one time. Starts reading comments under the Tribune story about his death. Most of the comments were from his employees talking about what a loser he was, what a hateful person he was to work with, what a complete idiot he was, etc. His um, there was one comment from one individual who didn't list her name, and she defended James Keir and uh, said, "Oh, he's he's not as bad as you guys think he is." Even his lawyer refers to him uh, in some extremely derogatory ways. He arrives back in the Salt Lake Valley, drives to the home of little Trampy Tracy, and um, opens the door as she is carrying in arm loads, literally, of boxes and packages that she's purchased on his credit card, knowing that he's dead, and so she better make hay while she can, as it were. Um, she, of all people, is rather flummoxed, to say the least, to see Kier alive and well. Um, and, of course, that pretty much ends that relationship, as you might imagine. And he begins to experience some serious lifetime remorse. He calls his secretary, Linda. She said, what do you need me to do? Please don't fire me. I, I assume that's why you're calling, because you wouldn't call me over a, a, you know, on the weekend or something like this, if it weren't bad news, and he begged for her to listen to him. He said, I need you to prepare a list of names of individuals whom I've really hurt, and I want to know who they are and where they are. I want you to find these people. I'm going to see them. And she said, you mean you're going to try to make amends? Because I don't know if that'll work. And he said, yeah, I want you to just get me the list. The remainder of the book is the story of James Keir going down that list in an attempt to fix things. Initially, he wants to, to be the good guy, to be highlighted as the guy who was was really per, actually better than, than everybody says he is in the comments in the paper and so on. But then, as the story progresses, he understands that the repentance process is mass, massively difficult. And if he's going to really be different from what he is, he has to experience the full, truthful repentance process. He gets punched in the nose by one of his old uh, former people who is on his list. He experiences uh, all manner of horror. Another list member took his life when Kier uh, cheated him out of his, his life savings and his finances. Kier didn't know the guy was dead until he goes to the door of the guy's house and finds there his sister, and she's like ready to spit on him. And I won't talk to you about the end of the book. If you speed this up, you're through it in just over an hour. If you listen to it normally, it's going to take you about three hours. But it is the most magnificent way I know of to set your holiday tone and pace. Um, I read, as I said, every Christmas, and I didn't pull the DB number off the sh the barred thing. I'm sorry, uh, Jenny. I can go get that while we're going on to other things. But this is called The Christmas List by Richard Paul Evans. As you read it, you will see it that it's a bit of a Scrooge retelling, only it will force you to really think about the repentance process. 
what do you and I really need to do to gain forgiveness? How do we, it's, it's, well, I don't mean to seem overly ebullient, but it really is one of the best things that I read all year. And I, I literally deliberately read it on Thanksgiving morning and the it, it absolutely changes the holiday season for me and makes it better than it otherwise would be. Again, The Christmas List, the author, Richard Paul Evans. He's a good writer, too. I, always, really I like and The Christmas Box. Yes, and this is this is just a fantastic Scrooge retelling with a... Uh, there's no preachiness in here. For those of you who are like, oh, man, he's, oh, he's probably one of those weird Latter-day Saint guys, and he's going to preach. And no, it, there's none of that in this book. But there are wonderful hidden lessons about the repentance process that will make you really stop and think, you know, have, have I wronged someone this year? And if so, can I fix it? Is there sometimes you can't if you've really done some heinous, terrible thing, it may not be possible to fix. But the, those are great questions to ask. And the Christmas season is the best of all to try to set right things you may have inadvertently done wrong or, or on purpose done wrong. Who knows? So, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's worth your time, trust me. <laughs> I would prefer, I would recommend the Bard reading. Sorry. Sorry. I would recommend the Bard. I'm sorry, the not the Bard, the commercial narration. Bards is good. I think Jack Fox may narrate it. I don't again, I haven't pulled it up and I apologize. But uh either way, you can't go wrong, and it's it's well worth your time. Very good. Well, shoot. Now I probably I didn't pick a very good book to follow that. <laughs> no, you're because, good, no matter what. Because I was going to talk about uh, Dr. Death by Alex Delaware. Not by Alex Delaware. I'm sorry, by, uh, now I lost my train of thought. Jonathan. Jonathan Keller. Keller. <laughs> yes. Oh, no, now they're all leaving. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a bad connection. He'll be back. <laughs> But in the in this one, um, Alex Delaware and Milo Sturgis team up, and the there is a doctor who has been for quite some time been helping people that want to commit suicide do so, and and Alex and Milo team up to find out who who murdered this doctor. They find he's found murdered in his van that he used to help the people that committed suicide and there's so many suspects and people that that wanted this that you that you could see that might want this guy dead and it brings up it's like one of the first books in the series that i remember where um, alex and milo actually kind of get into it because one of um, alex's patients was someone whose mother um, they think committed suicide with the help of this doctor and so he doesn't want he he wants to help milo solve the case but he but he's like treading on thin ice between what about what he should tell him and how much he should help him out and he has to reckon with that and they, they're always good books because you always find out so much about the relationship between the characters and the but this book, I, it kept me guessing. I had no idea who did it until the end of it. And it's not one of those where uh, everything gets tied up in a neat little bow. Some things, it leaves you to assume, I think, because it, it, everything isn't completely tidy. But And that's um, Dr. Death by Jonathan Kellerman. 
and it is DB5125. Sorry, I got us all out of the Christmas spirit. After that. No, it's all good. It's all good. Very good. Randy, come on in. Yeah, she is unmuted. Hi, everybody. There she is. Uh-oh. I think we have a bad signal. Yeah, I'm not hearing that. I thought Randy, it was maybe Randy, just me. Um, not we understanding. Don't, we don't. Here, but... Yeah, it's you got a terrible signal. You may want to come out and come back in. No, it's really, really garbled. It's, it's, it's really underwatery or garbledy. No. We can hear you, but it's really garbled. It's uh, it's chopped up and broken and very slow. Your speech. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, there, there. Yeah, that that's better. Was a little better. That's, yep. Try that. Well, now we don't. <clears throat> I We've think you're. I, I think you're going to have to go out and come back in. Is what you're going to have to do today, or maybe it's on. Our, I don't. I don't know if it's us though, Bill. I hear everybody else fine. Yeah, I I think it's. Had to be that connection. I, I don't know. The typical problems are the typical problems here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so nobody might as well take another. Yeah, go ahead. We'll see if she can get back in. I said I would only do one of these, and I didn't intend to mislead you. I, I just realized there's one more that I read all summer, all winter, all fall. Um, let me let's see if we can get her back and let her go ahead and go. We can pop her out of that waiting room okay well, well she comes there she is there she is welcome back we now computer let's see we'll see if this works better go ahead and unmute and there you go randy go ahead and try to unmute now and see if that'll see if that'll help you okay can't hear. Nope. Okay. Right. Go ahead. Go ahead, Nolan. Okay. We'll All right. come back. You have a Kathy long, a Kathy raised hand. Out um. There. Yes, we do. Why don't we go ahead and snag that one? Kathy, uh, go ahead and unmute. Hi. There Hi. she is. Welcome. Well, thank you. I missed you guys last week, but I was really waiting for. I mean, I had something else I had to really do, but I, I really try to keep this five o'clock Tuesday sacred. Well, thank you. I love it. I love it here. We're grateful you come. Anyway, yeah. Okay. So I started a book today. I'm not very far into it, but it has promised. It might kind of be like a Christmas story because this girl is going, it's called The Haven, H-A-V-E-N, DB75365. It's an Amish book. I love Amish books because you really can't get in trouble in an Amish book. You know, I mean, they, they're just normal people, but they, they're really clean about it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And this girl finds a She's on, on her way home from Ohio. Not sure exactly where she lives yet, but she was visiting a relative that needed assistance. And she takes a little nap waiting for her bus. And she wakes up and there's a, a little, a little uh, thing by her feet. And there's a baby in it. Well, she looks around and she tries to figure out, you know, if anybody left the baby and where they are now. And she asked at the bus station and they said, well, we can call the police if you're confused. And she thought, oh, no, 
she didn't want them to take the baby. So her bus came and she got on it. So now she's back home explaining all this to the family, <laughs> which might not be an easy thing to do. And they're all like, well, I don't I don't want to take turns at night. No, no. Well, she's been through her first night and she's like, oh, whoa, I'm I'm whooped already. So I don't know what's going to happen, but it sounds like a good book. Oh, great. That'll be fun. That's a lot of anticipation, knowing that you're you're already into it and making progress with it. And it's going to you're going to hope it carries you through. And that'll be that'll be great. Oh, I'll listen to it. It's not not a huge long book. There you it's go. Like seven or eight hours. I don't know. There you Anybody go. can read that. Yep. So oh, I like am quite a reader. Yeah, I think so too. I don't know if I'll report on it, but it'll be on the thing, <laughs> on the book talk thingy. So anybody that wants to can look it up and read it for sure, themselves. Sure. Remind Thank us the you. name one more time, would you please? The Haven. H A V E N. Okay. All right. And the first book that comes up when I when I look for Haven is of course Sherry Gomez. Ah, uh-huh. yep. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Excellent book. I love that. Well, book. that's what you want if you're an author. You kind of want your book to be the preeminent. You do. <laughs> well, that's she she won the jackpot yeah. there. Yep, she did. That's great. Good deal. Thank I you. I hope Randy can figure it out because I always like what she has to say. I know. I, well, we're hoping she's she well, went away yeah. again, so we'll see. Well, well, you know. There will be days like this. There yep. will be. <laughs> yes. Yep. Thank you. Just ask Mama. All right. right. I'm going to. Okay. Thanks again. Thank, Thank you. you. We d- we now have a caller in the 317 area code. Uh, that would be the Indianapolis area, Bill. Would it not? Jennifer? Yeah. Sounds like 317. Yeah. So yeah. if you want to come on in and just hit that star six. Star six. There you go. Uh-oh. Can we hear the caller? Are you there? We don't hear you. Oh, she might have remuted herself. Sometimes that happens. Yep, they remuted themselves. So go ahead and try unmuting again, caller. Oh, it's, this connection is interesting all night here. Hello? There, there you are. are. We hear you. Uh, yes, uh, my name is uh, Lana Porter, and I'm from Franklin, Indiana. And I read a book... Um, called um, Silent Bite, and it's by uh, David Rosenfeld. Good for you. And it's about this guy. Yes, hello? You're yeah, there. I Go can ahead. hear you. Go, Go ahead. ahead. <clears throat> Excuse me. My name is Lana Porter, Yep. and I'm from Franklin, Indiana. And uh, I read a book by uh, David Rosenfeld, and it's called Silent Bite. And it's about this guy. He's Willie's... Um, a friend that is um, there, uh, uh, he's been uh, uh, accused of a murder by uh, of Richard of uh, uh, Frank Evans, and uh, he uh, he's Willie's friend. And Andy Carpenter visits the Caribbean, and he comes home to that, and he don't really want to take the case, but he does. But and he finds out a lot of stuff about um, this. Uh, this guy that he was in a gang and it was called the uh, dragons. And he, uh, he, he at first don't tell him everything he's supposed to tell him, but he finds out stuff, but he, he eventually gets out of it, but you won't uh, believe who's in the end of it, but he owns a uh, repair shop and, and this repair shop gets set fire and it comes out that, uh, you won't believe who's at the end of it. 
but this uh, person testifies and they they slip and they kind of give themselves away. So that's my book for this week. Thank you. Cool. Well, thank you for calling us. Yeah, we appreciate it. That's good to hear from you. And I know you're Not a big Andy me. Carpenter fan. Yes, yes. Andy <laughs> oh, yeah, I love Andy Carpenter. He's, he's I good. I love Andy Carpenter. Yeah, that's yep. outstanding. Thank and you you've for read that. his okay, other series, you. too. What's the name of the other series that he it's wrote? It's K-9 or something. I've, I've not read much of it. Isn't it something about K-9? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for, for calling in. We appreciate it. And now we're good. We're caught up again with the hands. All right. Let me do something then here. Let me uh, slow myself down so I can parrot my screen reader since I'm not going to read the, from the Braille display. I want to talk to you, and I wasn't going to do this, but it just feels like it's the right thing to do. Um, I want to talk to you about a book called The Afterlife of Holly Chase. Afterlife being one word. The author is Cynthia Hand. Cynthia is conventionally spelled with a C-Y. C-Y-N-T-H-I-A. The last name is Hand, just like what you have below your wrist there, H-A-N-D. This is not a book that currently exists on the National Library Service site anywhere. That makes me sad because it really, really needs to be. Um, I downloaded this from Libby, and the narrator is Erin Spencer, and she does a marvelous job with this book. Let me let me give you the setup. This is a uh, this is a different Scrooge retelling than anything you will have ever read. And I read it even in the, as I said before the callers talked, I read it even in the summer, the fall. I don't really care. I like it so much that I'll just read it all year. Anytime I get the urge. Holly Chase is days away from her 17th birthday. As this begins, she's a shallow self-centered caustic bitchy young woman who cares nothing for those around her. She has patterned her life after a recently deceased stepmother. And she hasn't always been like this. But she gets more irritable as she ages. On Christmas Eve, Holly gets a visit from a Jacob Marley-like creature who is, appears in the form of her stepmother. And um, the mother, the stepmother, rather, warns her that her life is headed for an unfortunate end if she doesn't change. So, you know, at that point in the book, I almost threw it down. I'm like, oh, I don't want a stupid Scrooge retelling. I'll just go read the real book. And I'd rather do that than read this silliness. I stuck with it. And guys, I'm really thrilled I did. I just can't tell you. Here's the thing. This isn't a strict retelling of the old story as much as it is a wonderfully creative way of expanding and updating the uh, the old favorite. Holly is visited by three spirits that Christmas Eve, no surprise. And like the tale of old, old the ghosts show her how things will change if her life doesn't change. How They show her how how horrible she's been to others, and they attempt very hard to get her to, to alter her life, her thinking. Um, and she doesn't change. Christmas morning, Holly wakes up, and she's still the same nasty little hateful teenage girl. Not long after that, Holly is killed in a, in a car crash, uh, in a pedestrian crash. If you read this, she's not. you learn that she's not really dead. She's caught in a kind of in-between world wherein she looks alive and has a body, but she doesn't age. She is 17 forever, and she's been transported to New York City from Los Angeles, where she takes a rather highly unusual job. She becomes the ghost of Christmas past for a company whose purpose it is to bring the Scrooge story to life for people who need to change their lives. 
It uses people who are dead, but not conventionally dead to do the job. So they look real. They look alive. They look okay, but they in fact are no longer technically living. In year six of her work for the company, the Scrooge Chosen is a 19-year-old wealthy young man who has inherited his grandfather's real estate business. His dad was killed when he was 12. His mom remarried, and Ethan, that's his name, has been on the road to a Scrooge-like life ever since. It's up to Holly and her ghostly associates to reverse the trend in the story and turn Ethan's life back into one of love and service. Problem is, Ethan is someone to whom Holly is instantly attracted. She breaks rules. She meets him in person, and the two fall in love. It's that rule-breaking that will cause tremendous problems on Christmas Eve when Holly has to go back into his house as the ghost of Christmas past. She now has to hope he doesn't recognize her. Guys, I love this book, and I can't tell you about the ending, obviously, but it is twisty. It's just amazing beyond. If you think you know how this is going to turn out, I promise you, you don't if you've not read it. It's there's no way I could predict the end, the outcome. It just there's no way. It's a lovely ending. It's perfect. It's exactly the right ending. Cynthia Hand does a great job impressing impressively with with her talent on this book. Um, Holly's supporting characters are memorable, too, and you'll love them, especially Stephanie, her bubbly assistant who gets hired in year six. So, again, Holly is working for since her death, so to speak, working for a company that that does Scrooge replays for people who need to, to have their lives changed. And it's so much fun. This is a book full of charm, a kind of holiday delight that enables it to transcend being read only during the holiday season. Uh, at least that's been my experience. If uh, if the divisiveness of our world is, is getting to you and you're tired of reading about this or that problem somewhere, this is a great antidote, at least a small temporary one. I'm sure it's available on Bookshare. I don't know. I mean, again, it's not on Bard. Um, the the, the, the Aaron Spencer narration boosts this immensely. It's almost as if she knows people who um, who live like Holly Chase lived. I don't know that that's true. Obviously, I could never approve such a thing. But she does such a convincing job of portraying the, the hateful, nasty little self-centered Holly that you just shake your head in wonder at uh, how could she capture that self-centered uh, person so well. It's a little scary. Um, I'm not a big fan of paranormal supernatural books but this is better than most of them by far i promise it is it's a good written a nicely written expansion of a longtime holiday favorite and uh it does pay homage to the original scrooge scrooge story um but it no means stands in its shadow that's the point i guess i would make um and again that's called the afterlife of holly chase by cynthia hand Available certainly on Bookshare, but uh, not on on Bard. And I again downloaded it from Libby. Highly recommended. Very very good. Let's uh, let's go to Don, and uh, hopefully we'll hopefully we'll have more success than Randy did. Well, earlier. we'll see. There you go, we'll Don. You sound see. good. You sound good. That's go right a ahead. miracle. I just wanted to echo Nolan's original, the, the review of the um, the Christmas list. This is the book that Nolan introduced me to that I now read every Thanksgiving. And it's a wonderful way to start the season. And what's really, for me, one of the signs of a book, when you reread it, if you discover something new each time you read it, 
That's a sign of a good book. And I find that every year, and I hope I do it this year, I'm in a weird position this year. I usually make a tremendous effort to finish whatever I'm reading on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving and then only do Christmas reading between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Well, this year, that's not going to happen. I simply have too much to go in the book that I'm reading. But I am going to read uh, Thanksgiving morning because it it's really interesting how it how I've connected it with different things in my life each year when I've read it. Um, so it's even though yes, you think, feel like oh, it's another it's another book based on Scrooge, and no one can give you zillions of them. Like he's he's only <laughs> talked about two, but there's more in yeah. his in his uh, in his digital library and in his yeah. head. There's more Scrooge retellings, all of which are different and unique. Uh, really and truly, because I can think of two others. But anyway, do if if you're slightly interested in trying the Christmas list, and I think Jack Fox does an amazing job with. Oh, it. good, good. So I would really encourage people to read it. And if you haven't read it in a while, you may want to read it again and think, what is it saying to me now? Yeah, that's true. Every year, very it's, good, Don. It's new. Uh, Teresa is next. Thank so you. Teresa, go ahead and unmute. Okay. Okay. Can you hear me? There she is. There yep. Yeah. Good. Go right ahead. Okay. Sorry. Um, just a second. I lost my story for a second. <laughs> Since you are all talking about Christmas stories, I wanted to share one of these. It's this funny, fuzzy feeling story, but it was called A Cedar Cove Christmas. And some of you may have read it before, but this book is one that I liked just because it had that clean Christian, good Christmas spirit about it. It's, um, Again, called A Cedar Cove Christmas. It's by Debbie Makeover. Is that how you say her name? Um, M-A-C. I'll spell it for you in a second. Macomber, something like that. M-A-C-O-M-B-E-R or something like that. I'll spell it in just a second. Um, oh, stop. Just a minute. Okay, there it is. Bye. Oh, we went to the book instead of... Let me start. Okay. It's Catherine Byers is the narrator, and it's Maycomber is spelled M-A-C-O-M-B-E-R. Is that how you would say her name? Yep, it's Maycomber. You're right. Anyway, she um, tells this story about a young girl who became involved with a guy that's kind of the town jerk. And um, he lives in this place called Cedar Cove, and he convinces her that he's a good guy, and she becomes pregnant, and... Then he kind of dates her and then eventually slacks off and just leaves her by herself. And she has three brothers who just adore her and her her parents have both died. And so these three brothers take care of her and they're very possessive. And they're determined they're going to go just punch his lights out and get him to marry her. And so she decides, well, I don't really want that to happen. So I'm going to go find him. I'm going to go to Cedar Cove because surely he'll be at his parents and it tells of her adventure to uh, to go there. She she takes the ferry and she goes to Cedar Cove and tries to find him. And lo and behold, he's not there. But and his parents aren't either because they've gone on a cruise. So she's where she's supposed to be. She just can't find any place to stay, and all the hotels are pretty well packed and booked up, and kind of a no ro- no room at the inn type story. And she's pregnant, and she's just really worried and. So she goes to the library and 
she decides to seek help there and she asks the librarian and everyone, this is a small town, so everyone knows this family and they know what a jerk this guy is. And then she becomes really dizzy and she starts to have problems. And so the librarian calls the paramedics and the paramedics come, of course, and they tell her she needs to have bed rest and all those kinds of things. So initially the librarian invites her to to come to their home. And uh, she's just astonished at how kind they are and everything, how she rests. And she rests there for for a day and a night. And then she thinks, well, maybe I should try to move on. But then she starts to becoming, to, to feeling more ill. But these people, they still help her. They they feed her. They take care of her. They worry about her. And, and, um, and they invite her into their homes to have dinner with them. And even, you know, Christmas Eve dinner, those kinds of things. And and uh, they invite her to go to church, but she said, well, no, I don't think I should go to church with you because I don't want to in- interfere with your families. And in the meantime, her brothers have figured out that she's gone to try to find this boyfriend of hers. And um, they decide they're going to go find her. And they get lost a couple of times. And um, I don't want to tell you what happens in the end, but they all, it, they all have such a good Christmas spirit about them. Um, except for this one guy that tricks the brothers and sends them off the wrong way and feeds them awful food <laughs> and makes them kind of mad. But it's a good story to read that it's short and it's just um, if you want to, let me see if I can find the number because somehow I went to the book instead of the, so if you bear with me, I will. That is a good book too. That whole. Have you read that, Jenny? Yes, and I really liked it. I like her. There was another series of her books that I read that I thought were really good too about a little town. Yeah, she. Buffalo Valley. Hmm. Yeah, she does a Thanksgiving one too, I think. But I haven't read that one yet. Yeah, and she does the one. There's one she did about uh, knitters or something. Blossom Street and. Yeah, that's the Blossom Street series, um, the knitting one. I read a few of those before I turned against romances and began to to be hateful. And, <laughs> yeah, very sad. But she's she's a very tasteful so, romance. Writer, the number though. on the Cedar Grove, Cedar Cove Christmas, uh, Jenny, for your future book talk compiling is DB six eight zero six one. Thank you, Nolan. I couldn't find it right off. DB six eight zero six one. So. Thank yeah, you. The and the door. number for the Richard Paul Evans Christmas list is DB70292. <clears throat> Once again, DB70292. Deborah, go ahead. Dale KC7 if has left the meeting. Dale KC7 if has joined the meeting. Are we not able to hear Your her? computer, but. Hello? We think you're there. There, we sent her the request once more. I'm here now. I'm sorry. There, there she is. Well done. It has been a wild and crazy meeting. Um, <laughs> first of all, babysitting for two dogs along with my own. Oh, dear. And, yes, one of which is a gigantic Doberman. Um, and they love to bark. But um, also, uh, did you try? Did, uh, I've been on a phone call. And so I came back and I noticed that the unmute was on my thing. And I just wanted to be sure there wasn't something that you wanted to ask me about or something. No, we, nope. we didn't. Uh... We didn't hear any part of your call. If that if that worries you, we no, uh, no, we didn't have anything specific. Oh, okay. Um, I don't really have anything specific to add because I have very little. I've probably been at about one 
tenth of what's been going on so far. So I'm just going <laughs> to shut up and listen. Well, good luck with all that flying. Yeah. Fur. That's great. Keep keep listening though. That's right. Stay with well, us. And, yeah. I'm, and I'm like you. I've read the, some of those um, Blossom yeah. Street books. I and they're not bad. Um, that Cove name sounds familiar. Who's the author? The which one is that? The one that the, one, the, the Christmas the, the Cedar the one Cove. That was, oh, Cedar oh, Cove. Yeah, Debbie, I about that just Debbie, that's Debbie Maycomber. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, it's one of hers. Okay, I, that, I, I guess maybe the only ones that I've read are, that, but I've read some. There's a there's a series of books that is set on an island. It sounds very familiar to me. Yes, that's another series that, of hers out in Washington State. I don't State. think I read that specific book, so that was the reason I was curious. And I'll be sure. Yeah, Debbie, Friday Christmas at Friday Harbor. I think that series is, uh, or one of those books from that okay. island area in Washington well, State is the Friday Harbor book. So. It amazes me how some of these white <laughs> authors can write so many different series about so yeah. many different people and keep them all straight. Yep. It's a mind blow. It really is. And we're down to about, what, 15 minutes. So if anybody wants to get anything in, go ahead and raise those hands. And I think we'll I can do this one fairly quick. Um, it's called Should Heat we let Teresa back in first real quick? or hey, Go ahead, Teresa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You made it. I've been wanting to tell you about this story the past three times I've joined this group, but I never did because it didn't really fit in and it still doesn't really fit in right now, but I really like this story. Um, it will age me, <laughs> but um, all of you who may have liked The Sound of Music might like this book. Um, this book is called The Story of the Trap Family Singers, and it was written in 1949 by Maria Augusta Trapp. And um, it, this story actually does begin in Austria where the movie begins, but the story tells oh. about the first little bit of time where she is in fact a nun and she goes and works for the captain who has some children and one who's kind of ill and she is hired to help. And um, she and he kind of don't get along because she thinks the children should be children. And of course he thinks they should, you know, be uh, young, almost adults. And, um, and she starts to take care of the children and they start to really like her. And the captain goes away because she really does have another girl, just like in the movie that he's maybe going to marry. And um, while he's away, he realizes that he has feelings for her. And, um, she, of course, is developing some feelings for him. And eventually they end up married and they do marry in Austria. But then when the war begins, they feel like they can't stay there because they feel like Hitler's going to ask. Well, they know Hitler's going to ask the captain to serve in the wars. And the sons that are being raised, they want to be doctors and they know that Hitler will ask them to do things they don't want to do. So they determined to leave America and they get some funding from a friend and they take the ship to America. And it tells about what happens in America. And one of the things that happens in America is when they go there, they're asked how long they intend to stay there. And Maria, the mother, she says, oh, I intend to stay here forever. I love America. And of course, they interpret that wrong because she only has a visa for a while to sing because they've arranged they are a singing family and they have arranged because that part is also true they they have arranged to 
do some singing work in America. But because of what she said, they took them to Ellis Island and they had to stay there for two or three days. And it tells about all of their trials that they have once they come to America, such as being uh, having to stay in Ellis Island until their son can arrange to get them out. And um, all of the trials that they have um, and like finding a place to live even and finding that they have to get rid of some of their more expensive things and live more frugally and those kinds of things. And how they eventually, they set up a music camp that they buy some property and set up this music camp in Vermont. And they start to teach other people how to play recorders and the old kind of instruments. And this is after they have performed throughout America. They buy this camp area. And it is just, a. I like this story because it covers not only traditions that they have at Christmas and Thanksgiving, but also the traditions they have of being a working family. Um, I was impressed with how much they helped one another. And one of the things I skipped over telling you was that they took with them a priest friend whom they had named Father Wagner. And they have arrangements <laughs> in the places where they live to worship as Catholics and the traditions that they have and the the um, this feeling of reverence that they have has always impressed me in this book at the reverence they have for their religion and the reverence and respect they have for one another as family members. And this is read by Mitzi Friedlander, but I did find... I, excuse me, another... actually, the, the Bard notice says it's Dale Carter. Yeah, there is a Dale Carter one. That's what I'm going to tell you. The oh, okay. Dale Carter one is an hour shorter. I don't know how that is, but there are both... Um, there are both... Um, what do I want to say? Narrators that provide this story. It's fascinating. So if you look, did you see Nolan? As I see it. Yeah. Once that fascinates me. The Mitzi Friedlander version is 12 hours long and the Dale Carter one is only 10 hours long. Yeah. And I oh. read, I read the first of both of them and the first part's the same. So I don't know. I haven't listened to the yeah. Dale Carter one yet, but yeah. Yeah. I have listened to Mitzi Friedlander like four times in my I'm marriage. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Either one would be good choices. So real, I don't mean to interrupt. Are you, is that pretty much, does that wrap your That's review? pretty much what I wanted okay. to share with you is I was just impressed with okay. the reverence and the respect in this book and that she wrote it herself. And it was after they got to America is where in most of the book focuses. So Jenny, for your purposes, that the, the Mitzi Friedlander <laughs> version is DB 40079. Once again, 40079. The Dale Carter version is DB 07047. That's not half confusing. <laughs> Dale, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to come in and thank you guys for an awesome book uh, book uh, uh, discussion today. This is some great books coming up. And I also wanted to announce that I recently stumbled onto Bard Express and I got it downloaded on my laptop and I've been uh, kind of working with it a little bit off and on. Kind of cool. <laughs> You're liking it. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I'm going to try to jump on there later, you know, and oh. check some stuff out. But Sure. Well, good. That's they, great. At any rate, uh, 
just wanted to come in and uh, personally thank all you guys for such a fine book club talk uh, group, a uh, book talk group that I'm, I'm able to participate in. It's only good because you show up. You know that, right? right? So we we really are grateful you're here. That's right. Hey, that's what that's what that's what I want to do, man. That's right. I want to keep coming back. We hope you will. All right. Thank well, you. I hand it back to you and the group right. here. Thank, thank you, you, Nolan, and Take everybody care. else. Yep. Have a good night, everybody. You Happy too. Thanksgiving. Good night. Yep. Happy Thanksgiving. You too, Dale. More book talk express coming up later. So we have six minutes. Do you still have any hands up? We do not. All right, Jenny. Are you going to do an auctioneer? I'm going to do this real quick, and it'll be quick. I promise. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because this this is an example of why, if you like a show on TV, you do not read the book. It's called Heat Wave, and it's by Richard Castle, who, of course, is the which was the a series uh, that castle and it was about you know a, a man who was an author uh, jameson rook and he was an author and he would help the detective uh, nikki heat solve mysteries well in this particular book it's the he helps her a manhattan real estate agent is murdered and 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 nikki's trying to solve the murder and and he keeps interrupting her and wants to ride along with her and everything else because he's trying to investigate the the New York Police Department. And this book had, well, I thought, not much plot. Yes, there's a lot of action in it, but I just, there was so much, so many chases and so many things like that that I, I just thought it was boring, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> but somebody else may love it and and i used to like the show castle right i remember yeah i liked that too but but this was not what i anticipated it would be and it's um heat wave that's the first one in the series they he has several mm-hmm. and it's by richard castle and let's see it's db72081 all right very cool should be short yeah and we and we still have about four minutes i can do this you can do it i can do it brace up here we go it's a great thriller but it depends on who reads it this is called lie still a novel the author is julia i'm calling i'm pronouncing it heberlin it's h-e-a-b-e-r-l-i-n if you must use the bard book which i know a lot of us have to the order number is DBC 00038. Once again, DBC 00038. This was done by a Texas volunteer who, frankly, did a, I think, horrible job. I read it initially on Bard and would have given it zero stars or one. I downloaded the commercial version from Libby and that zoomed to a five-star book strictly and solely on the base of the strength of the narrator. Here's the real quick setup. Um, Pierce Martin raped Emily Waters when they were in college. That's not a spoiler. The the rape is disclosed right there to you in the first chapter, but it'll jangle you unless you're a predator yourself or are so jaded that nothing gets to you. This will. If you are a highly sensitive person, yeah, you may want to step away from this particular book because it will, it'll rattle you a bit. It's so well written that the author transported me there to that dorm room that horrible night. And the the dreadful experience that she had, Emily Waters kept it secret, 
but was traumatized horrifically by the experience. She later marries a law enforcement guy named Mike Page and becomes Emily Page. She has miscarried several times, but now they're in Texas and Emily is pregnant and with a child that they hope will carry to full term. Um, she um, she just felt a need for acceptance in her life. She's She performs, according to the author, quite well uh, between the sheets, but um, you know has no female friends that she looks to and counts on. That changes when they move to Texas. And um, the rapist seems to have found Emily in Texas, and she's starting to get silent phone calls, menacingly threatening notes. Uh, this gets really grim as it goes. At her husband's request or, or hope, Emily gets involved with a bunch of Southern beauties. These are former beauty pageant winners from throughout Texas who center their lives around a dodgy Queen Bee character named Caroline Warwick. Uh, all she really wants is acceptance from this group, uh, and she's just hopeful that they'll uh, uh, treat her like a, a person. She's just, she's in a real state there. She gets a little more than mere acceptance, unfortunately, and the end result is a twisty thriller that, that includes everything from murder to a surprise ending I didn't expect. This is great writing, and when the narration is done well, it's really an excellent read. Again, this is called Lie Still, a Novel by Julia Heberlin, H-E-A-B-E-R-L-I-N, D-B-C-0-0-0-3-8. And I did it. It's 6 p.m. You did it. Uh, Bill, before we leave, do you want to, real quick, tell them what's coming up on Thursday? Oh, yeah. We do have a Thanksgiving special, 10 a.m. Thursday morning. For those who might not have any place to go for a holiday, come in here and hang out or listen to some great music. We'll take requests and just kick off the Christmas season right. And it's just for people who want to hang out. Maybe they don't have anybody on Thanksgiving. And I've had a few of those myself, but that's what we're going to do. So just come here at 10 o'clock Thursday morning, listen live on The Legend or right here in the Zoom room. I think everybody's gone. Very good. Very good. Thank you so much, Producer Perry. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks, everyone.